This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. You crazy if you think I'm going to walk up some dark alley with a loud orange hat on my head and a whistle. I'm joined for the maybe last time uh, by myself with our good friend from the Midnight Movie Cowboys, Mr. Stuart Balk. Good morning. Can I help you? John Holmes. Um... Mr. Marengo asked me to come. Hey, hey, and I am Mr. Positively waking up. It's been a long night at work. But uh, I'm happy to be here for what I believe is the last one. But uh, never mind. It's been a good run. Well, fun. It, it'll be the last one with just you and I. Mm. Listeners will hear Stu on the next episode, which we, we actually recorded before Eric went on his uh, hiatus. For... He really threw shit out by <laughs> saying, oh, you know, uh, I thought to myself afterwards, you know what, Brett, I said, he didn't even say, oh, thanks, Stu, for filling in. <laughs> I hadn't even done it then. <laughs> that was done, like, feels like about a year ago, but it wasn't that long, obviously. It does feel like a long time ago, because we did, I think we recorded that one before we recorded for Time After Time and Demolition Man. Yeah. And then, and then you and I, this is our third one. So yeah. it was like six episodes ago in the recording order, <laughs> but it's coming out uh, to kick off our annual horror extravaganza. And then we're, we're expecting Eric to be back for that. I know we kicked around a couple of movie titles that we want to cover in that. Um, I think we're going to do Don't Breathe. And mm-hmm. uh, I know there was some talk about bringing Stu on to talk about the original Friday the 13th. I don't know if we're going to make that work or not, but uh, yeah. I know that See. was kind of kicked around for a bit. But um, yeah, the listeners are probably going, don't do it. I'm sick of hearing this guy. Just, <laughs> you know, I, I feel safe listening to uh, Eric and uh, Brett. It's it's easier. We went so long without having like extra people on the podcast. Like we had third co-hosts for a while and yeah, kind of ran through a couple of guys and uh and then it was just me and Mulder for the longest time. And then all of a sudden we got guests coming in. And uh, now Eric's yeah. just AWOL, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Struggling to sleep from what I hear. Yeah, well, that's I, fatherhood, mate. I got to tell you, I never expected to host the, the WTM podcast without Mulder. Because it's it's his first baby. I know he's got a new baby, but the, the podcast here is his first baby. So... Yeah, that's the thing as well with uh, the MMC. Obviously, Hunter and I started that back in 2010. So, twelve, actually, 12 years ago tomorrow. It actually is 12 years tomorrow from the day of this recording. And um, you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to never miss an episode in, in, in this <laughs> thing. I can't be stuffed. I went missing for three months in 20. 20- 13 or something six months last year 
the start of last year. So you think, ah, yeah, you miss one, you miss one. What's the big deal? But yeah, but we've we've turned it along. I I listened back to our uh, our last recently seen episode, and I think it came out pretty well. It did actually, yeah. Got a bit of feedback. I uh, got some feedback from the MMC listeners as well. I said, "Well, it was a lot of fun. They enjoyed it." Got feedback from the most important person out there in Podworld, my brother, who is an avid listener, and goes, "I really he goes, uh, you and Wolfie really got along well." I said, "Yeah, it was good fun. You know, we did good." It's <laughs> funny. The Repo Man one, though, man, it's not out at the moment as we speak. Oh, that behemoth. I tried editing it. I'm half hour in. I said to Eric, man, it'll be like a year before it's out. He goes, I'll leave with me. I'll do it. So, yeah. yeah. I think God. I think he'll he, he probably just give up at some point and just leave it raw, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we went way too long on Repo Man. So There was 18 minutes of wrestling talk at the start. <laughs> Which I said to Eric, please don't cut it. He goes, oh, no, listeners need to be clued up on Wolfie's um, knowledge of wrestling. So, yeah, I agree. I've just, Brett, that's all I've been doing is watching freaking wrestling lately. Just the old stuff. Just uh, old honky-tonk man videos. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> shit, he kills me, that guy. Oh, my God. He's the best. I need to go back and watch some of that older stuff. I don't know how much that stuff is on... Well, it's Peacock now in the States, but the WWE network, because they kind of like a lot of the stuff on the network kind of starts around WrestleMania one. And the I don't know how much of the like the weekly TV stuff they have on there. So it's kind of hard to get like a good feel of just like the, the week to week yeah. um, goings on. But uh, speaking of wrestling, I just attended All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. With their special show for here in Minnesota, the Quake by the Lake. <laughs> <laughs> All these names they come up with are a pisser, man. Hell in a Cell, Quake by the Lake. <laughs> Holy shit. How oh, was I, it? I saw oh, the photos was, you posted. It was awesome. It was a blast. Oh, I was uh, I was uh, gassed by the end of it. Because they actually they filmed three shows over the course of about four and a half hours, um, so like they have a so the, the live portion was from seven p.m. to nine p.m. In, in my time zone, and the show started at six, and they taped one of their YouTube shows. They did like eight matches in forty-five minutes. <laughs> it's like oh, every match God. was like two minutes long. And they just kept coming out and coming out. So you're kind of, you know, worked up uh, by the time the, the main show starts. And they started the main show with a with a coffin match, which went all over the arena. And people were bleeding. And uh, Sting popped out of the coffin at one point and was hitting people with his baseball bat. <laughs> Sting. I, could, I couldn't believe it when I saw that photo. I said, he's still going? Yeah. Man, that's like 30 years plus he's been wrestling. But Yeah, because he started with the Ultimate Warrior before he was the Ultimate Warrior. In, in Did like he? Eight, it was like in 85 or something, I think they started. So, wow. yeah, he's been gone for almost 40 years. But uh, And that Crow gimmick, I mean, <laughs> that was hot back in the mid-90s, obviously, with that franchise. 
but it's kind of I mean, he he has the look still, but he's it's kind of a an amalgamation of all his different variations now. It's it's basically just him being him, you know. Yeah. But he he, but does he still look has good. the crow look. Yeah, but he looks good for a guy who's what sixty six. I think I looked up or something. I found yeah, it's like sixty four, sixty three or sixty four. Yeah. I think. But boy, man, he's in he's in pretty damn good shape. I mean, a lot of our guys go to go to pot yeah he was 50s, but... uh, he was in the wwe maybe four or five years ago now and uh he wrestled a few matches there and he, he never really fit in the wwe like they didn't know what to do with him which is why he never went there in the first place um and his last match there he took a power bomb into the turnbuckles and it uh he got a stinger from it like a momentarily uh, pr- uh paralyzed and oh. uh, they thought it was a career-ending injury like never wrestle again and then he shows up in aew and he doesn't wrestle often uh he, he's more of a, a mentor for a guy named darby allen and uh but like every few months they do like a, a tag team or a six-man or eight-man tag where there's no <laughs> rules and they all go out fighting with weapons and going into the crowd and and Sting's jumping off of balconies onto like big groups of guys. Jesus. There was one paper view a couple of months ago. He jumped out of a balcony onto a guy through like a stack <laughs> of four tables. It was nuts. You, you cannot tell me that the wrestling is not entertaining. If you do, you are an absolute liar. Oh, that is the most entertaining thing to watch. Just real quick as well, I did watch a uh, like a 25 minute piece on Terry Funk. Man, does that guy know? Does he have a death wish or something? I've never seen someone so freaking insane in my life. He just he just doesn't know when to stop that guy. I mean, I think he's retired now, but finally. Yeah. Holy heck. Well, I think he's uh he's developed dementia now, so he can't you know and physically he finally couldn't go anymore. But he wrestled until he was like in his seventies. And mm. I mean the joke was like he, he would retire you know, once or twice a year, every year, <laughs> come know? back and then he'd come back. Like, well, uh, actually, yeah. Like the, the documentary beyond the mats, like they do a whole thing where they follow him around and like, he goes to the doctors uh, and uh, they're looking at the cartilage in his knee and uh, the doctor's like, you got no cartilage in your left knee. And he says, uh, well, how long can I keep wrestling? <laughs> and the doctor says, you shouldn't even be able to walk. Yeah, he's just and, uh, crazy and so he had, he had a retirement show, and then like three months later, he was in the WWF. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny is I uh, real quick before we get into this because it'll be another twenty minute rant about wrestling. I uh, was texting with my brother, and I I was actually talking about Terry Funk, and I said, uh, "Man, I love to see that footage of him when he beat up that black guy who put." the black guy put his hat on he gets back to me about two minutes later with the video it was actually from about 86 and the uh the guy who put on terry funk's hat was uh a guy called mel phillips okay if you know about mel phillips which i looked up later yeah i'm glad he got his ass beaten because he was not a very nice person yeah that's right That, uh, that name does ring a bell yes uh yeah ring as in ring boys that's yeah. what he was implicated yeah 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 
Yeah. So screw that guy. Speaking of, so. Vince McMahon officially retired from the WWE. And uh, yeah. they still they still <laughs> sent Stephanie out the day after and had her go on TV and force the, the crowd to chant, thank you, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> they had the balls to do that. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting times ahead with Vince gone now because that's I mean you and I that's all we ever knew was Vince was was the man he was everything right so yeah interesting to see how Stephanie and um, Triple H take the reins and run with this thing you gotta yep. wonder if Vince is gonna have some sort of input in the background I don't know they may say you're gone don't want to hear from you I, I honestly don't know it's but, it's um, only been a few weeks, but you can already tell a difference. Like Triple H is bringing back guys that Vince fired, and he's pushing guys that he had uh, brought up through NXT that uh, weren't okay. doing anything on the main roster. And yep. um, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, definitely made a change, and it's for the better. I, I think it's been much better so far. Well, Triple H is a guy who loves wrestling. I mean, it's basically his life. So. You, you've got someone there who knows the sport, who loves it. You haven't got an administrator there running it who couldn't care less about it, and it's just all a money machine to him. So, yeah. But anyway, that's the wrestling talk out of the way again. All right. Well, let's right. get into movies. I'm sure that's what people tuned in for. I think so. Um, it's not called um it's not called listen to this wrestling it's called <laughs> watch this movie what did you see clary what did you see so the last time uh Stu and i did recently seen he challenged me to watch a movie called they call me bruce which may or may not have a question mark at the end of it depends on which platform mm-hmm. you look it up on uh so i will go last and we'll start with Stu's first movie Okay, uh, my first one, and actually I must say that all the films I've watched, uh, say for They Call Me Bruce, are new releases. So um, three new releases in a row is very, very rare for me. But uh, we'll get straight into it. And the first one is one that has been brought up here before in the past, and I asked you if it's okay if I bring it up. You said sure, and I'm going to because I have to, and it's called The Black Phone from 2021. A synopsis, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. Okay, this film is directed by Scott Derrickson and features, uh, cast-wise, Mason Thames as Finney, uh, Madeline McGraw as Gwen, Ethan Hawke as The Grabber. Strange name, that one. (laughs) Not Ethan Hawke, but the grabber. Uh, Jeremy Davies as Terrence. Troy Rudisil as Detective Miller. E. Roger Mitchell as Detective Wright. James Ranson as Max. Miguel, oh God. Uh, Miguel Cazarez Mora as Robin. Rebecca Clark as Donna. Jay Gavin Wilde as Moose. Spencer Fitzgerald as Buzz. Jordan Isaiah White as Maddie. And Tristan Pravong as Bruce. Uh, an Asian guy named Bruce. I wonder if that was a <laughs> reference to a little what we're going to talk about later. <laughs> Who, yeah, yeah. See how influential that film is? They call me Bruce? All right. 
So anyway, so I had heard your discussion about it and your horrid experience with it, with the uh, rather large gentleman seated next to you. And I thought, you know what? I just, I want to see this film for some reason. And there are a lot of posters around Melbourne of it. It is everywhere. It, uh, it was playing theatrically. I think it's gone off now because it's ready to come on home video. But uh, I found it um, <laughs> out there uh, where I can enjoy it in my own home. And popped it on with absolutely no expectations whatsoever. And was fucking blown away how good this film was. I could not believe it. When my son... My now 16-year-old said to me, Dad, it's a Blumhouse film. I asked him, I said, hey, Christian, what's the black phone like? He goes, I haven't seen it, but it's a Blumhouse, so it ain't going to be very good. They're usually subpar, mediocre films. I said, uh, I'm going to watch it anyway. Just interested. Holy crap, man. This thing was was fantastic. And I said uh, in a social media post, I think this is the best horror film I've seen in about 20-plus years. And I stand by that. Interesting. I've yeah. I've I've seen a lot of people rave about it online. Um, obviously, when I saw it, I thought it was probably better than the average Blumhouse, but uh, I I didn't think it was great in any places. I thought it was you know okay to good throughout. Nothing really stood out as as really good to me. So I'm I'm interested to to hear uh, your opinion on you know. Things you liked about it. Okay. I liked that the story wasn't what I was expecting. Yes, the, the synopsis gives it away, but... It, okay, everyone says this is basically a Stephen King film or like a Stephen King book. I agree. It really feels like that. And I do like Stephen King films and his books for the most part. Um, didn't know it was set in 19... Was it 79? I think it was. Yeah, it's the late 70s. I don't remember the exact year. Yeah, so it was set there. So it was a period piece. And just the fact that it was the way it was shot. It was a beautifully shot film. Um, it was it was just a gripping, tense movie that actually had me yelling out in one particular point when the boy uh, manages to escape from the house and then is then tracked down by the grabber. Mm-hmm. Where I'm actually screaming, run, run. Because I wanted this kid out because I just, I absolutely hated Ethan Hawke. Not his performance, but I hated him as a grabber. He was just, um, just a terrible, terrible human being. And also being a, a father of many young boys, of, of my, my sons, you, I don't like films with kids being in that sort of situation. I just hate it. So, um, but yeah, well acted. The, the problem I do have with the film is the language by the kids was really unnecessary. The sister being psychic and knowing and, and having these dreams about the grabber and, and numbers and stuff and being able to uh, uh, put pieces together about where he may be was interesting. Um, the tenacity of the kid to just survive in that mm-hmm. basement... Just, just a comp, uh, component of different things just made me really enjoy it. I can't pinpoint one thing and say, yeah, it was that that made me enjoy this film. It was just many, many things. So, um, yeah, 
man, can't recommend this film enough. Uh, have only seen it once, want to see it again. Uh, but I'll be doing that when I buy the... I might even buy the 4K of it if it's a def- decent price. I don't know yet. But, yeah, there is uh, many, many aspects to this film that just make it gel and work as a film. It just it comes together. It's nice and tight. It's 105 minutes. It doesn't go any longer than it needs to. And it doesn't go, doesn't run too short where you think, oh, there's things that are not explained or things that I'm, I'm missing out of here. It's just the right fit. Had this run at 150 minutes, it would have been way too long. But mm-hmm. 105 minutes is good. The, the scene I had a problem with a lot was the father beating the crap out of the daughter. Yeah, I thought, she... I thought that was the most disturbing part of the movie. Yeah, I could have done without that. I could have done with the father. Okay, yeah, he's mourning the loss of his wife. And the daughter seems to have picked up the same... Um, uh, what do you call it? Powers, what do you want to call them? Yeah. That she had. But the father thought that the wife was going insane and didn't have them at all. But obviously she did and didn't want to see his daughter going down that same path. So him beating her was, that was really hard to watch. And and probably something, yeah, I could have done without. The father probably yelling at the daughter and saying the exact same things he said to do while he was beating her. I could have dealt with that. But the beating part was probably the only sore point where I thought, Mm -hmm. nah. Didn't need it. What did you think about um, the fact that uh, they had so many things that... uh, Let's see, I don't want to ask this. So the grabber has rules, right? And uh, as he gets more phone calls, he learns the rules of how to avoid getting uh, beaten and and things like that. So a lot of the time, the grabber is just upstairs taking a nap. What what Mm. did you think about that aspect? Good, uh, different, never seen it before. And, you know, the, the whole thing about the disconnected phone, oh, it was great. Uh, just the fact that this this phone on a wall in this empty basement, which is basically just stone walls around it. Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, so the, the spirits of the uh, bodies that have passed giving information to this kid of how to survive and what to expect next and um you know learning about the rules and i mean also there were there was a great shot of the grabber just up in his kitchen just asleep in a wooden chair with his shirt off and the mask on man it was like a scary ass image that's what as i was saying on one of the episodes that i did with uh the mmc i said to i think it was john i was saying um or Hunter was there as well. I said, the mask that the grabber wears, and this is will become one of those that is known uh, from years to now, years to come from now, like uh, you know the Freddy one and the the Jason one and the Michael Myers one. As popular as those, I don't know because I don't think these things gonna get many sequels. It might get one more, you know, maybe two more sequels. But it will be one of those. It'll be like Scream. It'll be one of those images yeah. where you go, "Oh, that's the Scream mask. Oh, that's the black phone one." Mm-hmm. And we haven't had anything like that in horror for a long, long time. Where something is identifiable, a new product is has an identifiable look to it. But I think this is it. So how would you and, rate? Uh, how would you rate the black phone? 
Oh man, honestly, I thought about it. I went with uh, initially went with the Soonish man. I'm going ASAP. Fucking watch ASAP. this. This thing is fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic film. Loved it. ASAP. That means now. Well, I think I just got an email from Peacock saying that the uh, the Black Phone is premiering on there as we record. So, oh, you wow. have the Peacock service in the states. I don't know if they're oh. international. I don't think they are. But uh, if you have Comcast cable or internet, you should at least get the uh, ad supported Peacock for free. So, so and it's just five dollars more to get um, ad free, which is what I do. Um, primarily for wrestling stuff but it's mm-hmm. nice when you have movies on there to, to watch them ad free so asap and you get and you get the monsters as well in a few weeks <laughs> no that's on netflix oh wait the the rumor oh, was I... it was gonna be on peacock and then they announced it was gonna that's be on right. netflix that's right yeah yeah got changed as oh. zombies changing out oh it was always going to netflix <laughs> oh it was always going to home video while he's blocking everybody at a mad pace exactly dumbo <laughs> so for that you gotta borrow your brother's password what <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right um all right so are we good on that asap for the black phone absolutely all right so my first movie um and we didn't talk about what movies we we're going to talk about so i i hope there's no overlap if there is i can switch one up maybe so I want to talk about 2022's Nope. Is that one of yours? Nope. All right. So that is uh, written and directed by Jordan Peele. It stars Daniel Kluya, Kiki Palmer, Brandon Perea, Michael Wincott, Stephen Yoon, Ren Schmidt, Keith David, I keep thinking Keith Keith David died like two years ago, but he keeps popping up and stuff. And uh, it's a Mandela effect for me. <laughs> He's a working spirit. I swear to God, he died in 2020. Probably. But, yeah. Who knows? But he's still making new stuff. I don't know how he does it, but he, he is. Hey, if they can hologram Elvis onto a stage and people go see him, they can hologram Keith David into a film, I guess. <laughs> Um, uh, let's see, Devin Gray, Terry Notary, Barbary, or Barbie Ferreira, Donna Mills, Oz Perkins, Eddie Jemison, Jacob Kim, uh, synopsis of Nope, the resident, the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. So... Mm. Longtime listeners of WTM may remember that Jordan Peele's Us was uh, my favorite movie for pretty much all of 2019 uh, until 1917 kind of unseated it for the top spot at the end of the year. So it finished number two in my rankings that year. And I, I loved it. It was fantastic. Get Out, I was a little more lukewarm on, uh, whereas... I keep seeing people say it the opposite, like get out was really good. And us was mediocre, but I don't, I don't get it. Any, anyway. So I was, uh, hoping for something really good with, with Nope, but I had a feeling that maybe Jordan Peele is kind of pigeonholing himself into 
the same type of movies, you know, being made every time he, he comes out with a new one. Yep. And uh, I, I think Nope is uh, probably my least favorite of his movies by just a tad, uh, just a little bit below Get Out. Okay. Basically, it's set at a, uh, a secluded horse ranch um, where a, a black family um, trains horses for use in Hollywood productions. And they advertise themselves as a, the only black owned horse ranch in Hollywood. Um, and the uh, so Keith David is like the patriarch. And then uh, he works with his son, who's played by Daniel Kaluuya. And then Kiki Palmer is his daughter, and she's she's kind of involved, but not uh, not as much as as her brother. Um, and it starts off with the father getting killed when a bunch of change and keys and stuff just fall out of the sky, and he gets a nickel embedded in his head. And so, as as it as it happens, you know, on a regular <laughs> occurrence, so they they just write it off as some kind of like prop plane dumping stuff on on the, the land and uh you know for six months and yeah it, it in the beginning it's kind of like about the relationship between two siblings daniel kaluuya is very kind of timid and soft-spoken and keep keep palmer is very loud and obnoxious and uh they kind of clash about what to do about the business with dad gone and, and they keep losing business because uh, the guy who knows how to handle horses can't handle people, and the person who's a people person doesn't understand horses, and they don't work well together. And the, as they, uh, you know, are staying up at the ranch together, they they start to notice, you know, they get a, a power outage, and then the horses are freaking out, and eventually they notice there's some kind of UFO up in the sky, and it's hiding behind a cloud, and um, there's other kind of supernatural things going on wait 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 i've just worked out why it's called nope (laughs) (laughs) no but then there's also like different subplots kind of intertwined in there um like every every few minutes there's a different like title card with the name of a horse and then it's got like a a little piece of the story and like one of the subplots is about a a sitcom in the 1990s that features a, a chimpanzee and one episode the the chim- chimpanzee freaks out and kills all the actors except for uh one child actor who happens to run a western's themed amusement park just down the way from the the horse ranch holy shit i'm not watching this movie so it's uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> it doesn't come together as well as i would have liked I thought some of the subplot stuff was maybe more interesting than the main plot because the main plot is the two siblings want to get the UFO on camera uh, on video so that they could have really solid visual evidence of this thing and then bring it to the, the highest uh, person in media, which in their mind is Oprah. So they're, they're looking for the Oprah shot. And uh, a guy from the electronics store comes and installs their, their cameras and he involves himself in the whole thing. And, and so it's, it's not super interesting. 
but like I said, there, there's some subplot stuff that I, I like better than that. Um, there are a few scenes that are really good. Like the Jordan Peele is really good with uh, building tension and then like releasing it with humor. Like there's a bunch of scenes that are like that, which uh, mm. like there, there's scenes where uh, like Daniel Kaluuya starts getting into a situation where, you know, maybe he's going to interact with an alien or something or, or something else scary. And uh, at the last thing, he's just like, nope. And then he just like stops what he's doing and <laughs> goes the other way. Uh, and it's really funny. So there's a few things like that that I really liked. Overall, it's kind of uneven. What the hell you say, really? Yeah, yeah. I thought creatively it was a step down from Jordan Peele's previous movies. Um, once they reveal what the thing in the clouds is, I was kind of disappointed. It kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. What was it, a weather balloon? No, no, I, I won't spoil it uh, All right. for people who haven't seen it, but um, I'm going to give it a, a bo- an eventually. Eventually. Because I do like Jordan Peele and I, I do like his other movies. Uh, and this one was, like, is it just a step below Get Out for, for me as far as his movies go? Um, I think it's worth seeing once. It probably won't blow you away. Although there are some people raving about it. I don't, I don't think it's that good, but um, it, it's interesting enough to, to give it a watch. So not a resounding recommendation, but I, I think at some point, get around to watching Nope, just, you know, for, for the sake of seeing it. You'd put Nope above the black phone. Slightly. Oh, okay. Slightly. Right. I, I thought the black phone had too many things that we've seen in too many other movies uh, and obviously you disagreed with that based on your review yeah yeah <laughs> but uh you know, one has their own uh, opinion and thoughts and but i i, but, I um, think nope is is just slightly slightly better than the black phone nope sounds to me uh and i may be completely wrong but from what you're describing it sounds similar to the film signs the m night Shyamalan one it's definitely been compared to science. Yeah. Um, it's, it's different in a lot of ways. Science was fantastic. But I saw there's, it in theater. Fucking blew me away. It was that good. But there, I've definitely seen comparisons to science. Yeah. Mm. So. All right. It's similar. So that's an eventually from the Wolfman. All right. I, I think Jordan Peele, he, he's definitely a fan of the twilight zone. And so all of his movies are really twilight zony. If he's not careful, he's, he's going to turn himself to M into M night Shyamalan and just all his movies are just going to be worse and worse. Cause he keeps trying to chase the reaction yeah. to get out. God. Yeah. That's what Shyamalan's doing. He's chasing that, uh, that ending from what's that first one he did? The sixth sense. Six, six, six cents. Yeah. He's chasing that six cents ending. You gotta gotta get that twist in, you know. No yeah. matter what, it's gonna have a twist to it. Those, but I'll say his first four films, I really liked. I even enjoyed The Village quite a bit. A lot of people rag on it and say oh, it was terrible. I don't. I disagree. I I thought it was good. It's the least of the four, but um, it's still worthy of a watch for sure. Anything after that, I just gave up. I was not interested. Um, what's the one he did with Marky Mark? Where the, the trees are talking. The happening. I eventually saw it. God, that was a piece of crap. 
I, I just was, watched that for the first time a couple months ago, and it's not as bad as people say it is, but it's it's definitely not great. I mean, it's no. Uh, no. I I no. thought it was entertaining, not not like good movie entertaining, but uh, <clears throat> it yeah. was. It, I didn't hate watch it. I like oh the God. village too. I, I actually didn't realize people hated the village until maybe five or ten years after I had seen it. I think it was pretty uh put on it was put on blast when it came out. Um and I thought, wow, it's actually pretty good. I enjoy it. Yeah, I but, just uh, I remember everybody that I knew who had seen it seemed to like it. At least I, that's how I re- recall it, but uh yeah, I liked it. I could I I spotted the twist about halfway through. Yeah. Um, same. Same. Like they have a meeting in like some neighborhood that was built in 1985. Mm. And uh <laughs> like, well, yeah. Actually the, clearly. The, the sixth sense twist, which I won't give away for the three people who haven't seen it, I got about I think 30 seconds before we found out. I said, ah, that okay that's what it was and um unbreakables i didn't even pick at all until it was shown so yeah unbreakables one i gotta watch again that's the one i've seen the least of those first four Shyamalans. yeah i haven't seen that one in a long time either yeah but um, the, uh, anyway split was good but the uh the follow-up was just awful it was glass glass was one of his worst movies that, that i've seen i haven't seen a lot of the ones that people hate the most but that was the unbreakable sequel wasn't it Glass? yeah split was like uh like this the twist on split was that it was in the universe of unbreakable and then uh glass was the three of them were like in an asylum or something and it was uh it was really boring okay but uh well We'll keep moving on because speaking of boring, I'm going to get to my second movie uh, from 2022, a film called Purple Hearts. Is this one of yours, Brett? No, I don't think I've even heard of it. Good. You keep it that way. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, straight to Netflix release, uh, 2022. Synopsis. In spite of their many differences, Cassie, a struggling singer-songwriter, and Luke, a troubled marine, agree to marry solely for military benefits. But when tragedy strikes, the line between real and pretend begins to blur. Director, if you can call her that, Elizabeth Allen Rosenbaum. And starring uh, the actors, if you can call them that, Sophia Carson as Cassie. Nicholas Galatzine as Luke. Chosen Jacobs, which sounds very, <laughs> very uh, uh, religious name, uh, as Frankie. Uh, John Harlan Kim as Toby. Kat Cunning as Nora. Lyndon Ashby, Jacob Morrow Sr. Scott Deckett as Jacob Morrow Jr. Anthony Ippolito as Jono. Lauren Escandon as Marisol, Sarah Rich as Haley, Brianna Raquel as Riley, Dustin Ryder-Jones as Brandon, and that will do. All right. Let me give some context to this 
why I watch this film because you're probably thinking, what are you doing watching this? This is not in your wheelhouse. I was going to say, after you read that synopsis, I was already uh, wiping tears away from my face. I, I could feel my <laughs> eyes rolling up. <laughs> okay, so uh, while I was on holidays a few weeks back, my wife said to me, hey, what are you doing on Monday through the day? I said, uh, nothing. She goes, okay, come with me. We're going to go look after the granddaughter, the daughter was at work, so we drove to the, her place, looked after the granddaughter for from like 8 a.m. till 3 p.m. or something. So we're there looking after her. Uh, I go into the kitchen, which is connected to the living room. She goes, can you just go grab some food for, for the uh, little one or go feed her? I said, yeah. I went to the fridge, grabbed a jar of whatever it was, while that was done, I was doing that, my wife puts on Netflix, puts on this film, Purple Hearts. And the synopsis came up just as she was about to hit play. I said, I'm not watching this fucking thing. No, I didn't say F it. You know, I said, I'm not watching this thing. Forget it. She goes, well, I want to see it. I said, I'm not watching it. Turn it off. She hits play regardless, as she does. Um, okay, Stuart, why don't you go in another room? No, because their house has just been built. There's no other TVs. There's nothing. It's it, you're basically trapped, like in the black phone. You can only stay in that <laughs> living room because there's nothing, nowhere else to go, uh, except you go out in the backyard with the dogs, which I was not doing that. So I'm sitting there watching this film, and I'm watching it. I'm cringing. I'm just putting my hands over my head and over my ears, and it's just 122 minutes of garbage. The problem with this film is. It is so woke. It is not funny. It's vomit-inducing woke. You have got... Uh, basically, everybody in this film is a Chad, all the males, and all the females are the Stacys, if you go into the old, uh, you know, incel <laughs> subculture, <laughs> what they call them. There is not one unattractive person in this film. It is ridiculous. It's um, all headshot Hollywood casting. Yeah, that guy looks great. Put him in there. Can he act? Don't care. <laughs> what about her? Yeah, she looks great. Can she act? Don't care. Put her in there. And it is just uh, the female lead wears a t-shirt. A lot of the time it says, uh, the future is female written on it. Which <laughs> I thought, oh, man. That's always really? a good sign. Yeah, right, from a that, female director as well. That sounds like yeah. the uh, 2019 Black Christmas remake. Which I uh, deliberately avoided because my sons have said, do not watch it. It is like It sounds like this. And later on, I'm, I'm not going to give the plot. There is bugger all plot. I'm really going to go very, very quick on this piece of shit. Um, there is one part when the Marines are going off to fight in, in the war. Where it is, I don't know. And as they're leaving, there's a huge balcony. And they're on the ground and there's people in the balcony waving goodbye to them. And draped over the balcony is the American flag. The rainbow flag. And a flag with the word Black Lives Matter on it. I said, what has that got to do with this? Right. I mean, like, why? What does that mean? What's the point of it? I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's just, 
virtue signaling for the sake of virtue signaling black lives matter but what is it it's uh, you know how is it relevant to this film i don't care it doesn't matter it's important put it in there yeah <laughs> and so yeah it's and it's basically the predictable love story you know they don't get along for pretty much most of the film at the end of the film they're in love even though it's a marriage of convenience for the military benefits it's just so fucking bad it is so bad i just uh, yeah, the the acting is stale the the woman acts like she's got the balls the the guy acts like he's got no balls i mean if you're in the military you better have a pair of because you right. ain't getting in but not in this military not in this alternate universe you can have anybody in there it's uh shoehorned every race and just for the sake of it you know they, they have a, a the opening scene where uh it's inside a club and there's you know these good-looking black women and there's good-looking white men and there's good-looking asian guys and you know it just it's just ridiculous it's just the whole thing. And it runs 122 minutes and it goes on and on and on. You think, just fucking end this movie already. It is the most torturous thing I've seen. I will not recommend it to anybody. Um, if you've got any questions, Brett, about it. No, no, no questions no. from me. Okay. I'm going to rate this now. Never. Never. Never watch this movie. Don't waste your time. That sounds like a good rating. It's a it's a rare rating on our show to give something a WTM never. But if one, I think of, most of the nevers ever given on the show have been by me, haven't they? <laughs> I don't do it. I don't do it. Uh, you know, as a joke, I'm just going to throw in a never to screw up this system. I generally mean it. People don't waste your time on this crap. Well, you gave and a yet, never to Die Hard too, but uh... no, no, I didn't. Did I give it a never? I think so. I gave it two out of zero, a two oh, out thought, of ten. Sorry, I thought, you said, I thought you gave it a zero out of ten and a never, or maybe that no, was no, I gave uh, it a Crocodile two. Dundee. Crocodile Dundee got a zero. Crocodile Dundee got a zero because it's insulting. That's the problem with that film. It's a massive insult. It's just one giant slap across the face. Whereas this film is a slap across the face. It's insulting. It's everything like that. It's just atrocious, and yet. For some reason, it's the second. It was then the second highest rated film on Netflix, which goes to prove, or goes to show that the people who watch Netflix, you ain't got a great deal of brain cells. No, no. If you can give that the second highest rate, it is. Oh, holy shit! I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have my own Netflix subscription. I have, a, I have access to one, but uh, <laughs> I see on Twitter and Letterboxd like. What every couple of weeks, like something like everybody will be reviewing this new movie. I'm like, what the fuck movie is this? And it's like the latest Netflix algorithm movie. And I was like, yeah. why are people even watching these things? Like, I don't understand like why you would even waste your time on it. It doesn't even sound like it would be inter interesting or entertaining. This is proof. This movie is proof alone why Netflix subscriptions are plummeting. And people just dropping off. We were actually even considering getting rid of it. I mean, it's in Australian dollars, it's about 20 bucks a month. The wife and I were talking, we said, can we justify this? No one really watches it. There's nothing right. there. Disney Plus, yeah, because my sons watch it. 
um, for some of the more you know older uh, based stuff that they're into at their age of teenagers. But Netflix, there's just nothing on there I can see that uh, not that I can't get anywhere else. Right, and, and like it's it's all Netflix original stuff now. Like there's yeah. there's very little content from other studios because they all have their own uh, platform now. They don't they don't uh, rent it out to Netflix anymore. No, so no. I think did the, Netflix put out their own titles on home video? I've seen The Irishman, obviously, but that was a boutique. Yeah, yeah. yeah sometimes they do. Um, yeah. Not that I'm like I think Stranger. I think Stranger Things is out on Blu-ray. Um, yeah, once in a while I see it on, uh, you know, a Netflix original on home home video. I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> it's, on, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Like, are they, are they going to take it off their platform? Like, I don't know. But yeah. Uh, I think the last Netflix original I watched was the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And like people had to like force me to, I had some, a handful of people just like tell me that it was really good. Um, yeah. Actually, I saw Walter. I don't know if Walter's in the Discord group or not, but I follow him on, on Twitter. I think he's a big fan of your guys's. And he was just raving about it. So I thought, well, I better check this out because he's, <laughs> he turned me yeah. on to the Snyder Cut and, like I wasn't sold on that. And... Is that the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre filmed in the Eastern Bloc of Europe? Yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> oh, the one. God, that's the one. The Romanian Chainsaw Massacre. Just <sighs> where where all the the woke uh, Gen Zers go into um, gentrify the town. Oh, <laughs> and they end up killing the uh, caretaker for Leatherface. What? Okay, just real quick before we jump into your second one, what would you say is the worst? We know the best one. What is the worst Texas Chainsaw of any reboot, sequels, whatever? That's hard for me to say because I've only seen the first four. So I've seen the original uh, part two, part three, and then the, was it the new generation? And then the the brand new one is the only, I I haven't seen any of the ones from the two thousands. So oh, you haven't. Okay. Um, I think the new generation was probably the worst of the ones I've seen. It's either even three or worse four. than the latest one. Oh, the latest, the latest one. one. I, the latest one I liked a lot. I gave it a soonish. Oh wow! Shit. We uh, me and Zolly agreed on that. We, that was the episode <laughs> Zolly was on. We talked about that one, and we talked about the Batman. All right, right. Okay. <laughs> so, no, I really yeah. like the new one. I don't know uh, why people didn't like it, but, but I had a I had a, a great time watching it. I thought it was awesome. I'll uh, I'll check it out. I've I'll, we were meant to review it in the MMC, and it just it fell away. It just yeah. yeah I would say I if you we'll... haven't seen it, check it out because it's. Uh, I thought it was really entertaining. Um, there's a lot of callbacks to the. Your, the original like it kind of skips all the sequels it's one of oh, those boy. ones and then also uh sally the character sally hardesty returns and she looks like a uh one of the lunch ladies from my high school when i was there oh we, really we called her old lady white <laughs> <laughs> all righty okay 
so yeah, let's let's get on to my next movie here. Uh, also a 2022 release, Bullet Train. Uh, directed by David Leitch, starring Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Andrew Koji, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata, Michael Shannon, Sandra Bullock, Bad Bunny, Logan Lerman, Zazie Beats, Lassie Oka. Bad uh, Bunny is that someone's name? Bad Bunny. He's uh he's apparently a very, very popular Puerto Rican like reggaeton rapper. He was in the in twenty twenty one. He started doing appearances for WWE, and like I thought, well, this guy sucks. Like I get him off my TV, and then he had a match. <laughs> he was in a tag team match at WrestleMania, and he was maybe the best celebrity wrestler they've ever had better than david arquette oh head and shoulders above david arquette okay i mean he was like as an actual wrestler like he doesn't Uh, speak english very well so he's he's not great on the mic you know (laughs) but uh (laughs) but like in the ring when he actually had a match it was uh it was him and damian priest against the miz and john morrison and uh he was fantastic um the only other guy that has come close is uh logan paul who started showing up this year and actually yep. is uh gonna sign a long-term deal with wwe but um yeah before those two guys like every celebrity they went in there was just like you got to treat them with kid gloves or they're just taking a payday uh they didn't really put any work into it but Bad Bunny, like he was doing flipping pile drivers and jumping off the top rope and shit. I mean, he looks like a legit wrestler out there. Nice. So, uh, much respect to him. Um, I don't know his music, but like I said, he's apparently very, very popular. And he makes a uh, he's got a sporting role in Bullet Train. Um, so the synopsis: five assassins aboard a fast-moving bullet train. Find out their missions have something in common. Now, I must have seen the trailer for Bullet Train at least 30 or 40 times uh, just going to the movie theater. And shit. Uh, like, it wasn't that great of a, an advertisement for the movie. Um, for some reason, like, the audio is really low. Like, there's no bass in the audio in the trailer. Um, mm. And, uh, like none of the jokes in it really hit, but I went to see this movie at an early screening on the uh, Dolby screen at AMC, and uh, I loved it. I it was it's one of my favorite movies of the year. I think I can understand why the trailer didn't sell it really well. A lot of the humor doesn't work out of context, so it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really lend itself to to being caught up for uh you know short clips for a trailer but i was laughing start to finish and then uh the last act was just phenomenal like i was i was grinning ear to ear because like the action picked up so so uh so much and it was it was such a great you know set pieces and uh it just uh kind of blew me away okay 
it's uh it, it's like a literal comedy of errors i guess because like things just keep getting worse and worse for these assassins who are all on this bullet train and start kind of picking each other out and uh you know how do i know that guy I, you know what is he here for me was it what you know what's going on and so the, it kind of unravels and then uh it comes together really nicely at the end um it, it connects all those stories together okay i thought the trailer had a lot of um smoke and aces vibes uh i don't know if you remember smoke and aces the the trailer was was like oh all these bag all these assassins are coming after this guy named aces oh, and that's and, the joe carnahan film isn't it yeah 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 uh yeah. and jeremy piven is uh is joe aces or whatever his name is and mm. uh like the trailer is like promises all this nonstop action. Everybody's, you know, explosions and shootouts. And well, the actual movie is just like Jeremy Piven sitting in his penthouse waiting for these assassins to come. And then it just like introduces the assassins and then they're like planning the whole time and nothing really happens till the end. Yeah. So like the trailer for Bullet Train remind me of that in a lot of ways, but the actual execution of Bullet Train was more of what i was expecting out of smoke and aces where it's jokes and humor and action from start to finish and um, yeah it it really uh like is it it was one of my favorite movies of the year so far um i liked it even a little better than top gun maverick which uh, oh boy you you raved the hell about that one didn't you yeah top gun maverick yeah i think the only other movie so far that gives it a running for for my favorite of the year is the north man so i i would recommend bullet train check it out asap asap that means now i think it's that oh good. wow two in one show two yeah. asaps and definitely if you could see it on a big screen with loudspeakers and big bass oh that's all the better yep if not, and you got the uh, the setup at home, crank that sucker up when you get a hold of it. And uh, I've uh, not seen it, but it is now on my to watch list. And there's a lot sure. of great, great music throughout. They do a great job with uh, marrying the music to the to the visuals. There's a lot of um, popular songs kind of done in a uh, Japanese because uh, it's set in Japan, so like they have. Uh, it was in the trailer. They they do the uh, the Bee Gees in Japanese, <laughs> staying alive. And, and there's a few <laughs> other songs throughout that they're popular songs, but they're sung in Japanese in the movie. And I thought that was pretty good. They they really tie it together really well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's always I was cool when you hear hear songs from other countries that their interpretation of those songs that you know. Yeah, I enjoy it. But yeah, I. I absolutely loved it it was uh one of the best times i've had in the theater in uh in quite a while so uh check it out and what's the runtime of this roughly it's two hours and seven minutes okay so it's a decent there's a lot of characters there's a lot of characters they kind of jump like brad pitt's like the main focus but they kind of jump between the other characters and there's flashbacks and stuff but there's also big action set pieces too so i mean it's 
um it, it never really gets dull or boring like there's a little lull like before the final act but like you almost need that because it's been kind of non-stop up until that point and then you need a little break and then it kicks up to you know 11 at the end nice all right well i'm just looking up here and it's uh released only last week in australia so it's uh, in theaters so and it's at my local as well so i'll be catching that i want to say probably tuesday i'll go nice tuesday during the day anyway okay so i will go over to my last one before we go into uh they call me bruce a bit later and that is from 2022 and it is the gray man uh another film where i'd seen the billboard everywhere this one i thought don't mind Ryan Gosling, he's okay. Uh, looks interesting, and it was really pushed over here on, um, you know, adverts and whatnot. So I thought, okay, give it a watch. And that's, that was uh, another, another film we actually watched. Yeah, that's another one of those Netflix movies where, like, all of a sudden everybody starts rating it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I haven't even heard of this. Yeah. And it's everywhere all of a sudden. Yeah. Anyway, synopsis. When the CIA's most skilled operative whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets. A psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Okay, directed by Anthony uh, Russo and Joe Russo. Not to be <laughs> mixed up with Vince Russo at all. <laughs> Ooh, uh, boy, I found out he's not a very well-liked person in the wrestling world at all. No. Um, no. No. Um, Especially Jim Cornette. <laughs> Boy, he hates his guts. <laughs> okay, cast for this one before we get back into wrestling talk again is Ryan Gosling as Six, Chris Evans as Lloyd Hansen, Anna de Armas as Danny Miranda, Billy Bob Thornton as Fitzroy, who I didn't even pick him in this film until about 45 minutes in, I think. Uh, Jessica Henwick as Suzanne Brewer, Danush, Danush! It's just one name. As Avik San. Because he's that uh, famous. Alfred huh? he's that yeah, famous he just needs one name. The new Like uh, Madonna. And sure. You should know Danush is when I say that name straight away, Brett. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Woodard as Margaret Cahill. Oh, Jesus Christ. Ray, Ray, Ray Jean Page as Carmichael. Wagner Mora. Who the fuck are all these new actors? I don't even know anybody in this thing except for a couple of them. Wagner Mora as Laszlo Sosa. Julia Butters is clear. That'll do. All right. So this was another one. Uh, had to look after the grandkid because we did it two Mondays in a row. The Monday before was the one with um, Purple Hearts. Garbage. The second one, I said, if we're watching a film on Netflix while we look after, I'm picking the movie. She goes, "Yeah, go ahead." So I picked Gray Man, and um, it's it's good. It's the problem with this film is it's too slick. Mm. It it really seems like a uh, Matt Bourne, a Matt Bourne. That's a wrestler, <laughs> Jason Bourne style film, <laughs> but. You know, with a it amplified up to ten sort of thing. They're trying to out Bourne, Jason Bourne, and uh, and Bond as well. It it seems 
You know, I haven't seen No Time to Die yet, uh, but this seems like a Bond film to me, like elements of a Bond script left over or something. But, uh, I mean, it's fun. It's a real game of cat and mouse. Uh, you know, lots of lush scenery. We go to different countries all around the world. And, uh, yeah, you know, it skates by for its uh, 122 minute runtime, I should say. Uh, enjoyed Ryan Gosling. He's always a good actor. He's always fun to watch. Chris Evans was, uh, you know, hamming it up a little bit. Probably a bit too much for my liking. But, you know, it was perfectly fine. The The only problem I found with this film was the dialogue seemed, it seemed very scripted. Mm. I mean, yes, it is written down in a script, obviously, but it it was un unauthentic, not authentic dialogue. Someone, it seems like words that were written and people just mouthing off, you know, repeating off a page. But I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed this one a lot more than I did Purple Hearts. This was 122 minutes. I did enjoy as opposed to the other one. Um, not a great deal to say about this film. It's as we said about Netflix. It just they basically churn them out and there's you know really not much to them you know i can't see a netflix film ever winning an academy award for best film <laughs> they just sort of tear through them but um i mean as a a good two hour you know time killer yeah sure i'd recommend this one uh yeah. have you seen it no i i, I thought about watching it because one of the other podcasts uh i listened to covered it um the uh movie drone podcast who we've had on as a guest before yeah and uh i just said it was a north light time and uh listening to their podcast on it they they kind of uh reinforced that so um what's your final verdict as far as a rating for the gray they said one worth their time mate just (laughs) you know stay away i mean which is bollocks for it's garbage pretty much Go watch the the, uh, Premier League instead, mate. Go watch Southampton play, yeah? Go watch Matthew Letizia, that little fucking, uh, you know, anti-woke football. I used to love him, mate, as a player. Eventually, for me, I give it, yeah. Eventually. All right. Yeah. I might might check it out, um, but uh, it's probably pretty I would say, honestly, you could do worse. I mean, I did watch they slash them. So, I... <laughs> man, that should have been red flags the size of a Chinese communist parade <laughs> amount for you to say. I ain't watching this. Speaking of WTM, never. Never. They slash them. There's a bonus review right there. Oh, really? Yeah. I, wow. You don't. The hell you say, really, with that title. And now we got Kevin Bacon running around going. I want to completely erode gender, what do they call it? Gender conversion therapy. I thought, man, shut up. I thought they already banned it. I thought it was already banned. So, like, there are movies like two years too late. (laughs) Dickhead. (laughs) It was weird, too, because I, like, it takes place at a gender conversion camp. And it's like, well, the counselors are much nicer than the, the campers. So, like I feel bad when they get murdered. 
Like, Could they was... then be remade as Sleepaway Camp these days? Um. Well, it's a it's a different thing. Um. Mm. Okay. It's I don't know. There's some elements that are like Sleepaway Camp, but they kind of just like run them through real quick. Like there's one character that goes showers on their own, and uh, it turns out uh, it was a it was a uh, trans woman, and so they put her in the boys' cabin after she gets caught. It's a, it's anyway, a, just I don't know. Just a little but, bit of a tidbit about um the Gray Man budget estimated two hundred million dollars. Gross worldwide, you ready for this? Four hundred and fifty four thousand. That is some loss. I mean, I mean it's yeah. <sighs> well, they probably only released it in like New York and uh, LA for like it you know one one weekend or something because that's what they do that they do a like a super limited theatrical run just so they can put it up for awards yeah but but it's gonna be it's gonna be some kind of tax evasion type thing going on there right yeah do they even turn a profit at netflix well that's that's an interesting question because i'd like to know how how could they turn a profit and why are they spending $200 million? Because I don't know. Because their whole model is bringing in subscribers. And I don't know. Like they, like a couple times a year, they put out these, you know, mammoth budget movies on there. And it's like, does that even move the needle? Like, are people no. subscribing to see The Gray Man? Oh, wait. No. Oh, it's got Chris oh. Evans in it. It was directed by the, the guys who did Marvel. Yeah. So what? Yeah, but I mean, there's so far gone. Companies like Netflix and just Hollywood in general, they're they're way, way, way behind the eight ball. Um, again, okay, budget for the Black Phone, eighteen million, and sorry, made its money back. It's yeah, sitting on uh, opening weekend, twenty three and a half million gross worldwide, one hundred and fifty. That's how you do it. You you take a small film of $20 million or less and just roll the dice and see how you go. Yeah. Bloomhouse, like quality wise, they're generally more missed than hit. I think they do. I, off the top of my head, I can't name which ones they have, but I, I know there are Bloomhouse movies that are really good or that I've I got recommended. Um, I got recommended. Uh, when I said sinister, was the one I got recommended to watch. I think that was I've okay. not seen it yet. Yeah, I think that okay. one was okay. But uh, but they're really good at taking low budget movies and making a huge profit off of them, and then like they yeah. make sequels uh, which are just as low budget, and they make just as much because people just go. But see that's them. how you do it. But that's how you do it. You. Spend as little as possible without becoming, you know, incredibly dirt cheap and it's showing on the screen. And roll the dice and see what sort of profit you can make on it if you make any at all. If you lose, you lose. You haven't lost a great deal. But shit, two hundred million. That is some. That is a chump of change. You're Where does that go? Right Where does that go? It's a Netflix movie. Like, <laughs> are you making your money back? Well, they're filming internationally as well, so there's going to be a lot of. Um, 
tax shelters and stuff when they film in countries such as you know Romania and you know Australia or whatever. There are always these these incentives to film over here, so they get these um, tax cuts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as you said, where the hell's the money going? And then uh, you know, how many subscriptions do they have to sell to to make that back up? I mean, it's a uh, lot. It's a lot. I don't think it's and moving. They're, and they're hemorrhaging. They're hemorrhaging subscribers right now. They just they've lost a million a month. They're losing or something. Yeah, it's not is, good. No, I really cannot see Netflix lasting another five years unless they change their business model drastically. Um, maybe well, scale back on the amount of films they're making and what they're spending on them as well. Their best bet is probably to find a way to uh, bundle their service with all the other streamers and basically reinvent cable. Yeah, they're going to have to do something because uh, they're on their way out. But what's the alternative for other people to watch besides Netflix? Everyone knows Netflix, Amazon Prime. What well, do they put out that's quality? Not a great deal. Well, I mean, now you, you basically have to have a handful of streamers if you're a cord cutter you're gonna have netflix amazon hbo paramount disney hulu and it's like you're paying as much as you would if you had cable you know so yeah yeah all these streaming services are just crazy i mean we've got uh disney plus netflix at the moment and there's a couple of others oh, amazon prime but amazon prime we use for you know shipping and and products so it just comes with it so it's really a, right a, a, an attachment to what we have for the actual service of buying from amazon online but yeah uh, man i don't know is there ever a day where the theaters make a resurgence i don't know yeah i don't know it it, it varies uh obviously some of these movies get really good audiences but it's always like the blockbusters and franchises uh, a lot of the small movies don't push the uh the, the theatrical box office but mm. i don't know i just like when i see on twitter somebody gets the bright ideas like i wish somebody would invent a service where i could have one box and one remote and all my streaming services would be together in one spot and i wouldn't have to log into any of them and i could just switch back and forth with the push of a button i was like dude you just invented cable <laughs> like we've had and, this for 40 years and make it voice activated as well so i don't have to push any buttons i can just lie on the floor of my own piss and shit and vomit and just go cable <laughs> and it comes on you go latest movie and it plays the latest movie I mean, come on, people, get off your ass! Don't be so freaking lazy. But uh, yeah, so uh, let's let's move on to the the last movie. This was the uh, movie challenge. So uh, as mentioned last time, we talked about recently seen movies. Stu challenged me to watch the 1982 film. They call me Bruce. Which uh, yeah. the the poster has a question mark at the end. The uh, yeah. My cable system has a question mark at the end, but the the title card on the movie itself and the opening credits does not. No, it was it was uh, 
Only if it's something on the poster, but they didn't include it on the title card. It doesn't really make a difference. No, it doesn't. A, a game changer <laughs> at all. But if you're wondering, it's the it's the same movie. Yes, it is. So uh, it's directed by Elliot Hong, and it stars Johnny Yoon, Margot Hemingway, Raph Morrow, Pam Huntington, Martin. Azaro, Tony Brandy, Bill Capizzi, Harvey Vernon, Heshimu Kambuka, Bob Hanna. Oh, there's a lot more people in here. I, I think that's that's probably good enough. Yeah, it'll do it. All right. And, so, had, uh, had you ever heard of this film before? Now, let me read the synopsis quick here. A goofy Korean finds his life hopelessly complicated with people continuing, continually confusing him with Bruce Lee. Uh, no, I had not heard about, uh, about this before. And uh, I would say if you had not recommended this, this is probably one that I would just pass by if I, if I ever came across it. I'd probably don't even look at it again. You know, it's... Uh, yeah. It's one of those ones you look at the poster and go, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not one that would be in my wheelhouse. But having said that, I'm glad you recommended it because this movie is hilarious. I thought it was Good. so funny. Like, uh, and and you know what you're in for from the beginning because the uh, the opening uh, credits theme song. <laughs> How cool is that song, man? <laughs> it's- Oh, Running good. all the way to your home. <laughs> I will say they do use the O word several times in this movie, but uh, as was the case back then, you could call people Oriental mm-hmm. <laughs> and not, yeah. not get everybody offended. In fact, uh, Johnny Yoon calls himself an Oriental several times during the movie, which uh, just kind of plays on people's prejudices which is a hilarious joke that's what the whole premise of the film is about him being oriental so i mean come on um let me ask you a question wolfie what is the most important thing in life <laughs> broads broads <laughs> <laughs> yeah they follow up the uh the the great theme song with a with a hilarious scene of uh, a young boy at his dying grandfather's side getting uh, life advice before he dies. And you know, the grandfather is actually Johnny Yoon. Yeah, I saw, that, I saw that in the credits, mm. which I kind of figured. Um, although he does have the uh, the kind of stereotypical uh, Fu Manchu and uh, long hair with the bald cap. Yep. Which I thought was funny, like when they do close-ups, they like blurred the top half of the screen so you couldn't see where the bald cap was. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. I thought that was pretty funny. Mm. Um so yeah, and then he sends him on a journey to America to find the, the most beautiful woman he's ever seen in New York. And uh I don't know, it jumps ahead to uh the character's name is June, but everybody just calls him Bruce. Nicholas, he, yeah. <laughs> Because he has a passing resemblance to Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah, not really. Like, I don't think so at all. But it is, that's the funny thing. Yeah, you look like a Bruce. I call you Bruce. That's what the 
the mafia I call you boss Bruce. You are Bruce. Him. Yeah, you are Bruce. <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, he was working for the mob, and eventually, uh, uh, but he doesn't know it. He doesn't know he's working for the mob. He's just working as a chef. That's it. Yeah. Well, he knows he's working for the Italians, but mm. like the 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 crux of it is. He's famous for his spaghetti noodles, which he uses a special Chinese flour to make. And uh, they send him cross country to deliver this flour. Little <laughs> does he know that it's been replaced with pounds and pounds of cocaine. And uh, him and his yeah. uh, associate, Freddie, who, who Freddie knows the deal. He's uh, yeah. He plays the chauffeur. And so they they go on a road trip and the feds are following and uh big al is looking to take down uh what's the man the boss's name pete little pete little pete yeah <laughs> and so his girlfriend carmen who's uh who's a strong lady a strong woman uh as you might say she's in the mm-hmm. hot pursuit and uh just shenanigans uh ensue throughout uh, we yeah. can get more specifics uh, kind of after we wrap up. We'll we'll talk more on uh, spoilers, but yeah, I was laughing at everything. It was, uh, and then like Johnny Yoon would just throw in these one-liners from time to time, and it was just like I had me cracking up like, the whole time. Yeah, um, it's great. I can I I saw this in '83, and I'm never tired of watching it ever. It's so good. It's uh. Yeah. It's kind of a spoof of mafia movies and kung fu movies kind of melded together, kind of like airplane style. This might even be funnier than airplane. Is that is that too much? It's 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 close. As far as spoof well, movies, I think it's close. Well, you know, for me, an airplane over here is still called flying high for some stupid reason. It always has been. Uh, even the sequel, Flying High Two, but air, airplane. Look, um, I like Airplane. It's dated. The jokes are dated, but they call me Bruce. Still makes me laugh, even though I know what's coming on screen. Right. The uh, lady, give that man his purse back. When <laughs> 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 the, the robber's trying to take the their purse back off the old lady, and lady, give that man his purse back. So, I mean, the commas, the comedy is juvenile. It's silly, but um, I mean, yeah, we'll get into it a bit later. But for me, it holds up more. Than the airplane movies do, yeah, and even the Naked Gun movies as well, which came after, which have really not aged well at all. Yeah, I, I think I would put this above those ones too. Which you know, like I said, I I would have probably just passed right on by this if if I didn't know any better. So I I think uh, like I said, we'll talk a little more in detail in a little bit after we wrap up. But for my rating, I think I'm going to give it a. WTM soonish. Soonish. Oh wow. Ooh. I really was expecting a last resort. I'm I'm thrilled. No, nice. I was, I, I loved it. And the, I couldn't get enough of that theme song. And I'm glad they played it, it over is, the end credits too. Yeah, it's great. This <laughs> is a challenge. For the next challenge, uh since I think Eric's last episode, I challenged him to watch The Time Machine. And this episode, Stu challenged me to watch They Call Me Bruce. 
instead of having me or Eric challenge one of our, you know, each other, we're going to have Stu lay down a challenge for both of us. And then on the next recently seen episode, Eric and I will both review Stu's challenge. So what are you challenging us to watch, Stu? I'm going to be challenging you two to watch the 1972 documentary Marjo. All right. Uh, the story about Marjo Gorton, a fascinating watch. And I think we may have mentioned it on the uh, Repo Man episode just very briefly. So uh, interested in hearing about that um, and getting into to watch that. So um, look for that on the next Recently Seen episode. All right. Let me, uh, let me remember all our plugs here. You can uh, check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com and you can follow the show on Twitter at uh, watch this underscore movie uh, that's run by Eric or you can follow my account at positivelywolf1 Eric and I are both on Letterboxd go ahead and check that out too uh, follow us on there um, you'll see some bonus reviews on there that you won't hear on the podcast. Um, obviously, we uh, we can't review every movie we see on here, but uh, Letterbox, you'll see all those. You got merch? Yes. I'm, I'm trying to find the URL for it. <laughs> you can check out our merch site at wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. Yeah, Stu knows we have some quality T-shirts on there, um, among other items. So was, check that out. I was wearing it when I was watching The Gray Man visiting the granddaughter. <laughs> so it gets a regular rotation. And then, uh, and then you wrote eventually on it underneath. <laughs> no, I wrote ASAP. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So uh, check out. Uh, Stu on the uh, Midnight Movie Cowboys podcast, which you can find on YouTube or any other podcast listening app. You can also check out our website, our, uh, our podcast, WTM on any podcast app, and we would appreciate if you leave a rating and review. That would be awesome. Yeah, they do help people. Honestly, you may think they don't help, but honestly, hitting that button and just giving it a five or a four, whatever you give it, it it does wonders so leave a yep. review for these guys leave one for the mmc <laughs> we've got a very one we got fives we got ones it is polarizing <laughs> you either you either love that show or you freaking hate it there's really no in-betweens we have a we have a few ratings i think it's been a while since we've gotten a rating to be honest so it'd be nice to see some new ones but uh i think all i think ours are all five star um ratings so far we don't have uh you know the uh impassioned fans that you may have well listeners uh who mm -hmm. uh are so inclined to go and, and rant and rave but uh any any rating would be nice we've had we've had all sorts of listeners we've had uh heroin addicted peeping toms on the show <laughs> 
we have one guy who went, wound up kidnapping an old lady. <laughs> so, <laughs> fucking people we get on there, man. It's just crazy. Oh, oh boy. No. Oh, it's all it's all sorts we've had on. But uh, we don't keep in contact with those people anymore. But they've been, uh, yeah, and others as well. Some weird people. We even had a guy on there when we did um, the Al Leong show back in 2013. We were the first podcast to break about the Al Leong, Al Leong documentary, which ended up coming out five years later or something. This guy was producing it, filming it, but wound up leaving the project. But we didn't know when we were speaking to him before we started recording. He's one of the godfathers of death metal from Florida. We had no idea about this guy. And Hunter looks him up. He goes, holy shit. This guy was, he really was in the pretty much the first death metal band from, from Florida. So, um, yeah, we have yeah. Uh, some crazy cats on that show before in 12 years. And a crazy, speaking of, just real quick, speaking of crazy, we just had Garrow on. Uh, for the first of the four weeks, we're doing other monsters, and yeah, it's old style MMC where it's really, really offensive, and yeah, he his absence has been um, uh, justified because he goes off. It's oh man, he was saying the things he was saying about Brian Singer, and yeah, wolf, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to cut it yet. I was gonna say it's been a while since he's been on. Yeah, for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> I love Garrow. He is he is seriously one of the funniest guys I've ever come across in my life. Just um, yeah, he's a he's a crack up. I'll be I'll be checking that one out for sure. I usually watch most, if not all, of your episodes. So uh, mm. be uh, looking forward to that one. Monsters Month is gonna be very interesting. <laughs> It will be. I. When does that movie? Does that come out in October? That monsters film, the Rob Zombie one, comes out end of September. We're dropping the episodes on the seventh, fourteenth, twenty-first of September. Then the twenty-eighth. If the twenty, if the Rob Zombie one isn't done or available by the twenty-eighth, we've got another one in the on the back burner of okay. monster stuff. We can we can shoehorn in until the zombie one becomes available. Yeah, I saw Hunter was uh, checking out that uh, Mockingbird Lane. Uh, yeah, that's one of the ones we <laughs> TV. <laughs> Which I oh, forgot boy. about it until you. I think it was you guys uh, brought that up. I had forgotten about that. I never watched Keep it, it that but, way. Uh, I Keep do... it that way. <laughs> I do recall hearing about it, um, but I I didn't know. I didn't remember any of the details, but. Uh, good i saw he posted some screenshots from it and i thought oh this looks so bad this looks so bad why it is makes this so the monsters today look actually enjoyable which i i thought it was but... like at, at least the uh the new monsters look like the monsters <laughs> yeah they don't look like jerry o'connell with a scar on his neck as herman munster or Portia de rossi as lily it, oh it's just a, or eddie Izzard as grandpa Who's oh, a trans God. grandpa? Transpa, I guess you can call him. <laughs> Absolute train wreck. Anyways, let's uh let's transition to more they call me Bruce. Yeah. 
So uh, one thing uh, Mulder and I kind of talked about this on uh, our time after time episode. And we're both too young to, to know what the deal was. This movie also features Hare Krishnas, which were all over the place in, in movies and TV around that time, late 70s, early 80s. But I don't know the deal with it. Uh, I don't know if you're uh, more of an expert. Okay. Uh, well, with America, from what I understand, from what John was saying, they are in airports everywhere. So you get off a plane, you're in an airport, you're going to see the Hare Krishnas uh, out in the streets. Um, one thing I will bring up is uh, I have been to the Hare Krishna temple many times here in Melbourne since the late 90s I first started going. Uh, I am not a Krishna, as you can see. I don't follow the uh, the ways of it, as in don't eat meat. Yes, I did that for a couple of years where I was vegan, which was, uh, yeah, well, I wouldn't stop somebody doing it. It wasn't for me. Uh, I do eat at the Krishna restaurant in Melbourne quite a bit. And I will say this, Brett, I actually don't like jokes about Hare Krishnas in films. It bothers me. It just seems like it was so... Uh, it seemed kind of hacky by that point, I think, because it was it, so it's overdone. An easy, it's an easy attack because you've got the way Krishnas look in their their orange robes and their shaved heads. It's easy. Oh, Hare Krishnas. Oh, they're funny, yeah. And they did the joke in this movie that... Well, they, again, they had the, the Asian tourists, which is another stereotype that they played 100% of. Do. do I look like Mickey Mouse? Oh, Mickey Mouse, take Mickey picture. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they called the Hari, when the Hari Krishnas, who are actually feds, all the feds know Kung Fu, which is kind of hilarious, but they're cracking down on the, the Coke-dealing Italians. And uh, yeah. you hear one of the tourists go, oh, Kojak. <laughs> <laughs> And then they all take got... their bald caps off. And like the last one is like, I'm taking mine off too. And he's got his actual like pinhead haircut. Like, you know, it <laughs> looks exactly anyway, the yeah. same. Yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of sight gags in this thing as well. The One of the scenes that absolutely cracks me up still is the, um, <laughs> the karate instructor. When Bruce oh. goes in to learn the um, martial arts instructor. And he's just a complete mess of a student. <laughs> the karate instructor goes, you are hopeless. Oh, everything you must know must be mental. You are mental. <laughs> you must be patient. It's mental. And he says, oh, my grandfather was a mental patient. And my <laughs> father was a mental patient. But now it's my turn. Yeah. But yeah. he's, uh, he's talking about being patient and humble, and, and then he gets the phone call. And he's just going off. On, on the <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, you son of a bitch? There are so many references too. Like they do a like a like a, a, a Saturday Night Fever reference and a, a Rocky reference, and oh yeah, in the, in the karate scene they do a reference to fucking life cereal commercials. They uh they they challenge oh, uh he challenges uh yeah he's like he's like if you put your mind to it you could put a hole in the wall and Bruce is like I'm not gonna punch the wall you punch the wall and he says uh, no I'm not gonna punch the wall and he says 
well, let's have Mikey do it. He'll do anything. <laughs> like they used to have uh, commercials for Life cereal where, where they'd be like, hey, Mike, you'll eat anything. Feed it to him. And then like he eats it. like, oh, hey, Mikey likes it. You know, and, uh, they play that. Off. They do that in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the, I like films with road trips. I really enjoy seeing them where you just go cross country. So for me, that's a big plus. And just uh, all the situations that Bruce gets into when he goes into that, you know, that uh, sort of redneck bar and he goes, Oh, you had sushi last night? I had sushi too. <laughs> yeah. Susie, Susie's my girl. Oh, I like sushi. And the. <laughs> it's sushi for the, breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> you should have sushi for breakfast, for lunch, in the dinner time. You wouldn't be so fat. <laughs> but so it's the. the language barrier that that uh bruce has yes and gets him into trouble as well when he goes into the japanese um was it a restaurant or whatever that japanese parlor is i guess and uh he's in the spa bath and that woman walks out in the kimono robe and um <laughs> you know she undresses and you see her her top half he goes oh you are a 10 yeah because <laughs> you're a 10 where you should be a two or something yeah. like something like uh he says yeah, you're basically making yeah he says you're a 10 and she goes thank you and he says you're 10 where you should be a 36 yeah yeah that's it yeah because <laughs> she's sort of small breasted yeah but yeah it's um it zips by really fast it's only i think 85 86 minutes something like that yeah. it's a it's a really fast watch it's um it, yeah the the ending uh you can kind of pick where the grandfather was sending him to who he was talking about as the most beautiful woman in New York or in America, uh, who's in New York. And, um, which was funny, which I won't give away the ending, but I will give away that he does see that old Chinese lady sing on the cut on the park bench at the end. You think, Oh, it must well, we be can, her. Yeah. We, can give it, grandpa's life. we could spoil it. We're spoiling the, the movie here. People know these are spoilers. So, mm. but, uh, yeah, I, until they showed that scene where they were on the island, I'm like, I don't even know what he's talking about. And then, I, like, once they were on the island, I'm like, oh, duh, mm. uh, it's the Statue of Liberty, of course. But it was hilarious to, to have that old Chinese lady just sitting there on the bench. Ah, oh, Grandpa's uh, long lost love is waiting for Bruce, uh, <laughs> but it's actually not. It's the Statue of Liberty. I did, um, I did like the female fbi agent pam huntington who was sort of the she pre pretended to be interested in bruce but obviously she was doing that to get closer to him to get information about the right the um the packages that he was delivering the flower if you will but um it was it was it it was her and carmen that were fighting each other in his room in vegas right margot hemingway yeah and uh boy Freddie's next door with a hooker and like he can't get it up and like you just hear these girls screaming from next door <laughs> and Bruce is in the shower he doesn't know what's going on yeah <laughs> finally Freddie comes over to break it up he's so I can't take off. it anymore <laughs> <laughs> he's screaming at him to get out <laughs> oh man this film is really really funny and you got the um Bill Kirchenbauer as the uh, attempt you know assassin <laughs> trying to kill bruce yes i i like the uh the scene where he was demonstrating the uh 
like the torture techniques mm-hmm. and he's like reenacting roots your name is toby yeah your name is toby <laughs> <laughs> which uh, i i've never seen the original roots but i know that scene because they parodied it in Chappelle's show they did yeah. uh they did the they roots did. uh outtakes <laughs> the guy was whipping him and then Chappelle, you know jumped out like he was getting whipped too hard and uh <laughs> yeah. told you he was that, afraid of me Chappelle's show is one of the last really cutting edge comedy shows of the last 20 years yeah i'm, you know? I'm surprised people still uh rave about it as much as well, maybe not not anymore you know considering his current uh status but i'm surprised people hold it in such reverence to this oh, day. I think it's hysterical. Uh, obviously, like I still love it. I I reverence it constantly, still to this day. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely one of my favorite shows of all time. But I know the <laughs> your name is Toby scene specifically from Chappelle's show. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you've got that part as well as you said before about him. You know the Rocky reference where he's uh, gonna try and down a dozen raw eggs. And he tries, he goes, uh, egg for young would be better. He just throws it straight into the walk. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this, this is a fun little film. It uh, did play theatrically here in Australia, if memory serves. I didn't see it theatrically. I saw it on um, VHS when it came out because it was released by my favorite company, Roadshow, who, um, yeah, put out, put out all the really good stuff back in the 80s on videotape. That was the most interesting company out there because they sourced all the lower b-grade films from the u.s and some of the video nasties from uh you know europe and whatnot and they call me bruce was one of those ones and you know it was actually in the roadshow catalog i've spoken about that i do own and you go to page three or five and that was they call me bruce's on there and i had the poster of bruce actually the the, the front cover of the videotape was Bruce in the church with that sort of zebra suit on and the big yellow wig. wig. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's giving that, uh, that, you know, that talk about, Oh, one time we were so poor burglar broke in the house. We rob him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing. They start chanting Mooney at him. And I didn't understand that reference. Do you, do you yeah, know what, what is that? that is? I, I no, don't no. understand that reference. Yeah, I don't know. Has to be something, obviously. But um, yeah, it's funny too that God gave us Catholics and Catholics gave us bingo or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why they start shouting Mooney when he goes. Uh, the pre the preacher goes. Money is not the most important thing in life. And Bruce goes, most important thing in life is broads. <laughs> broads. Yeah, then they broads. take the wig off of him and see that he's a guy because they thought he was a chick. They thought, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> no, this is a, like you said, it's a, it's a pretty uh, easy watch. Uh, quick, goes by quick. But, uh, God, there's so many laughs in there. Like I don't know if there's a scene that went by that didn't have me laughing. Yeah, it's uh, true. It's a really good bang for your buck. Um, obviously, I didn't pay to see it because it was on, 
is on Tubi, but uh Well there you go. So if you do want to see it after hearing this review that we done, uh yeah, go watch it on Tubi. I've got the Blu-ray of it. Um I, I had to have that one when it came out. There was no way I was not getting it. Because it's not gonna get a release over here. Uh you know, Arrow Films in the UK are not gonna put it out, so I think it's been put out by Code Red in the US. And um it's a decent looking transfer. It's um you know, not one of those ones that's shoehorned on a Blu-ray and looks like a VHS quality style film. Right. It's, it's a it's a pretty good transfer. Uh, whether it's still available, I don't know, because I bought mine a number of years back. Yeah, let's see if it's on Amazon. It's like, uh, oh, Amazon's got it for eighteen bucks. It's a little uh, on the high side, but. Uh... I'll put it. I'm gonna put it in my uh, save for later and see if the price comes down. Cause yeah. that, uh, I mean, for if I could get the Blu-ray for like ten, twelve, thirteen bucks, fuck yeah, get it. I, yeah, because you'll again. um, again, it's one of those films that's not gonna get a, a constant re-release over the years. It, it'll be, I think, a one-time only deal. It'll come out and that's it. And it's nothing Friends. like you'll see today. Like they they don't make them oh. like this anymore. No, no way. If you want uh, humor that is not politically correct, but not highly offensive as well, they call me Bruce. Is your film? It's yeah. It's it's not politically correct, but it's not. It, it's not like some of the other things out there where you think, oh, yeah. It it's... it plays on stereotypes, but the. Uh, Obviously, the the main character is a Asian man, and he comes out on top of things. Like it's not it's not what they would call punching down. No, not at all. But uh, just a word of warning: do not watch the sequel. They still call me Bruce. It is hideous, not funny at all. It just um, it's an in name only thing. Is just abysmal. Yeah, I noticed that uh, when I was looking up looking it up but uh stay clear of it i looked to see if it was on my cable system because that basically connects to all the streamers that i have access to right (laughs) it's not even on there it's not even available to rent through uh through comcast so no it's just so bad it's uh and it was one that was so looking forward to when it was uh, released on vhs which i didn't even know was coming i just they still call me bruce it's a sequel grabbed it off the shelf and ran it out and oh you talk about letdowns um if ever the day comes if ever the day comes where the mmc do a, a sequel show you know the worst sequels of all time thing of all time which i think maybe one we have been speaking about boy i reckon they still call me bruce will be way up there it's one of the worst is it uh I mean, based on the uh the synopsis on IMDb, like it looks completely unrelated. Like maybe it's the same joke, but uh, it's in name only. Different, all uh, different altogether. Yeah, I don't even think Freddy's in it. I don't think there's anybody in the original film in it from memory. Well, it looks like it's just the same joke, like but like different characters. Yeah, yeah that's all it is. Oh, Benson's and- in there. <laughs> Robert Guillaume. (laughs) 
Yeah, he even uh, Benson couldn't save this one, or Johnny Yoon, and Johnny Yoon as well. I if, I, if I recall correctly, he's in the Cannonball Run, just for a little bit. Yeah, it looks like drivers. it. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's credited as a TV talk show host. That's it. Yeah, yeah. He's really funny, and they call me Bruce though. Like he definitely carries the movie. Yeah, John was telling me that he's actually he was a very famous Korean comedian, um, but just didn't really translate well over to the US. Yeah, this film is really really funny, and you'd think maybe it would have got him a a bit of a kickstart of a career, but it just never did. I don't know. Um, they just obviously they couldn't market him. He was a he was a one trick pony with him being Oriental, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, he didn't do much after this. He did a TV movie, and then uh, he did Gidget's Summer Union, which was a TV movie, and then he had nothing in common. They still call me Bruce. And then uh, Hamburger Johnny, uh, which was 88, Western Avenue in 93, and then his last credit was a uh, TV show in 2004 called Love Love Story in Harvard. So yeah. he was out of acting for over 10 years and it's been almost 20 years since his last acting credit. He's still oh, alive. He, died, he died in 2020. Oh, okay. He passed away. Oh. Wow. And he was what? Damn, he was 46 when he made They Call Me Bruce. Yeah, he was born in uh, October of 36. Yeah, so what, 45, I guess. He didn't look at... Boy, he looked like he was about early 30s. It's hard to tell with those guys in the 80s. Like, uh, you know, it's you you could tell me he's anywhere from 25 to 60, and I would have believed you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, I'm really, really happy you enjoyed it. I did not expect a soonish from you at all. I thought, oh, Brett's going to watch this and go, this is crap, Stuart's maybe watch. This ain't funny at all. But <laughs> this I'm was, this was right up my alley. Like, this is uh, perfect, right. perfect for me. Um, uh, you know, cheesy humor, a lot of sight gigs, a lot of just one-liners and references to other movies. And yeah, fantastic. I, I think what it is as well is that None of the scenes overstay their welcome. Most scenes are a couple of minutes tops and they just move right. on to the next one. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're not drawn out and you think, okay, we've got the point about this one. Let's, let's keep the story moving. It just it keeps moving at a rapid pace. Just say, uh, on the trivia here. Here's a fun fact. Appeared on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson 30 times in the 70s and 80s, one of the most appearances by a stand-up comedian. Okay. I'll have to try and track those down because I've never seen him on a uh, Johnny Carson best of that I've got or uh, YouTube stuff either. All right. Well, I I think that's, uh, that'll be uh, it for this episode. Uh, So we'll uh, check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man. Off my case.